I want to start because I have been warning of this colossal sandwich, excuse my French, swear jar, that Mitch and Nancy and Chuck, I put Bernie at the table too because it's not his fault, but he's not, you know, he's not ranting about it like he should be, Bernie. Um, Thank you for the graphic, Colin. These, this bill that they are agreeing to, that I believe is being voted on as we speak in the Senate, is a disaster, an absolute disaster. And I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about, oh, it's a down payment, Jordan. It's just a down payment. It's a down payment till St. Biden gets in, who, by the way, got the vaccine today. You got to love that all these politicians who give us absolutely nothing, this bill is a slap in the face if you are unemployed. This bill is a slap in the face if you have been unemployed for months. It's a slap on the face if you are now uh, un- impoverished. It is a slap in the face if you have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of back pay due in rent. It is absurd. Yet these politicians, oh, they get the vaccine first. Their, ca- their salaries haven't been cut during coronavirus. They still have their health care, and they get the vaccine first. You know, I guess you could say the president-elect, he's going to be the president. Maybe he should get it first. I don't like Biden, but I could deal with that. But why should the rest of Congress get it before you? If they're giving you a pittance, crumbs in relief, they should have the coronavirus. Let me, let me. Let me just take you down memory lane, right? This was Nancy Pelosi, who, oh, by the way, Nancy Pelosi just happens to be worth $121 million. I told Colin I want to start doing this. I want to start making a graphic of what each of these sociopath Neanderthals are worth. $120 million she's worth. That could buy you a lot of gourmet ice cream. Let's take a look down memory lane. Just what what was she saying when $1.8 trillion was on the table before the election? When Wolf Blitzer must have had a lobotomy or something happened where Wolf Blitzer journalism was injected into his body one just for a day. Remember this? Many Americans are waiting in food lines for the first time in their lives. Uh, Can you look them in the eye, Madam Speaker, and explain why you don't want to accept the president's latest stimulus offer? Well, because uh, thank you very much, uh, Wolf. And I I hope you'll ask the same question of the Republicans about why they don't really want to meet the needs of the American people. But let me say to those people, because all of my colleagues, we represent these people. Uh, I have for over 30 years represented my constituents. Uh, I know what their needs are. I listen to them. And their needs are not addressed in the president's proposal. So when you say to me, why don't you accept theirs? Why don't they accept ours? Our legislation is there uh, to do three things primarily, to honor our workers, honor our heroes, our healthcare workers, our police and fire first responders, our teachers, our transportation, sanitation, food workers, the people who make our lives work. 
We couldn't be doing what we're doing without them. Many of them have risked their lives so that they had to save lives, and now they will lose their jobs because but they Mitch really, McConnell they says really, let the states go bankrupt. Excuse me for let interrupting, the states go bankrupt. Ma Madam Speaker, mm -hmm. but they really need the money right now, uh, and even members of, I of your own— I understand that, but your, if— But even members you of your own question, caucus— even members of your own caucus, Madam Speaker, uh, want to accept this deal. $1.8 trillion. Congressman Ro Khanna, for example. Let me, just, let me just quote Ro Khanna, a man you know well. I assume you admire him. He's a Democrat. And he just said this. He said, people in need can't wait until February. $1.8 trillion is significant and more than twice the Obama stimulus. Make a deal. Put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist, and many of your colleagues apologists for the Republican position. Rokana, that's nice. That isn't what we're going to do, and nobody's waiting till February. Well, we know Wolf's invitation to the DNC Christmas party has been lost. Oh, how dare you, Wolf? How dare you, Wolf, challenge my authority? Queen Nancy. Oh, Ro, that's nice. Rokana, that's nice. Who's Rokana? So, to be clear, the Republicans don't deserve any credit here. They are just as culpable. They are the ones that looted the Treasury in March and April, insisting that, that multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerates get trillions of dollars in free money that they didn't need. And, of course, Pelosi and the Democrats, they drove the getaway car. We remember the Democrats agreed to the original sin of the CARES Act. Yes, $600 a week, good thing. $1,200 checks was decent. It allowed people to tread water during this COVID pandemic, but it also gave an unprecedented $4 trillion bag of free money to corporations that didn't need it. And the Democrats went along with it, as they always do, saying, well, we had no choice. With the only way we could get the good stuff, we have to give corporate welfare on steroids to the criminals because we live in the United Corporations of America, not a country. We live in the United Corporations of America, as you know. But before the election, remember, Pelosi was offered by Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, $1.8 trillion. She said, I'm not going to do it. We want $2.2 trillion. I think $1.8 and $2.2 are both inadequate. I think we need closer to 4 to $5 trillion. Pelosi was offered $1.8 by Mnuchin and Trump. To be clear, that wasn't an official offer from McConnell, but if the President of the United States and his Treasury Secretary are offering it, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure if you agree to it, you could then apply a ton of public pressure to Mitch McConnell and his turkey neck to get it done. And I don't know, Colin did this graphic for me. I, I failed math. Can somebody tell me, is $1.8 more than $900 billion? Can somebody tell me? I need help. Is $1.8 trillion more than $900 billion? I, I, You know, I'm not good with math. So right here, $1.8 trillion is what was offered and that Pelosi wouldn't take it. Can't take, no, can't take yes for an answer. That would have been more unemployment a week. It would have been another round of checks. So let's see how uh, Queen Pelosi reacted when she was challenged on this very part, very point a couple weeks ago. Again, I, I don't know what's going on at CNN. They, they are now, I guess, with Trump out of the way, they could some 
kind of do journalism again. I'm not holding my breath. But she was asked a very simple question. Uh, I think this was two weeks ago. Why did you refuse $1.8 trillion, but now you're okay with half that? To accept half of a loaf months ago, when you said, I'm not going to accept half a loaf. Let me tell you something. Now, don't, don't characterize what we did before as a mistake, as a preface to your question, if you want an answer. That was not a mistake. It was a decision, and it has taken us to a place where we can do the right thing without other, shall we say, considerations in the legislation that we don't want. So we're very pleased at where it is. And as I say, with a Democratic president committed to a scientific solution for this, with the idea that we will have a vaccine, it's a complete game changer from them. Aha. So to be clear, the difference is 1.8 trillion is actually double 900 billion. But if you change the mathematical equation where the, the 900 billion comes with a president elect Biden, then 900 billion ends up being more than 1.8 trillion because we have a president Biden. That's Nancy Pelosi's math. Not my words, that's her words. Here, Walker Bragman clipped this out. She says it even more explicitly, essentially saying, yeah, I blocked the $1.8 trillion because it was from Trump. And now that Biden's in, we'll just accept the sandwich of $900 billion. Okay, but, but what shifted in your opinion when the Problem Solvers Caucus had a much larger bill a few months ago, you did not like that piece of legislation? Yeah. What, 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 what has shifted now when they're on board with this piece that's come out of the Senate? Perhaps you missed what I said earlier. Joe Biden committed to ending and crushing the virus and having a Build a Better America initiative, Big Back Better, a vaccine answer to our prayers an answer to our prayers of 95% effectiveness in terms of Pfizer and Moderna and there may be others uh, coming forward now that makes that is a total game changer a new president and a vaccine so th there's nothing to I mean you can't really put it any more clearly than that She's literally saying, we have a new president now, my team, and we have a vaccine now. So that's why it's good, folks. Trust me, it's good that we're accepting half of an already inadequate loaf. $1.8 trillion is a lot of money. I don't want to say it's not. $900 billion, also a lot of money. But when you have, I mean, look at this, folks. 1.4 million Americans just filed for unemployment claims last week. Highest level in weeks. Overall, 20.6 million Americans are on un unemployment aid as we head into the holidays. That's just the people who have been successful in getting unemployment. There are a lot, a lot of people, you might be one of them watching, that need unemployment, have gone through the bureaucracy of trying to get unemployment, and haven't been able to get it yet. So when you have those kinds of numbers, you need a lot more than $1.8 You need a lot more than a $1,200 check. You need more than an eviction moratorium, because guess what? When that moratorium ends, 
You think the landlords, you think the real estate developers that have purchased Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, they're all purchasing our politicians, these greedy real estate developers. That's why we have something called gentrification. Do you think they're going to do a payment plan with you for you to pay back your five to $10,000 in back pay? You think that's going to happen? Yeah, just like uh, the banks did a payment plan for all those people that they kicked them and their families out on the street during the financial crash and foreclosed on their homes, which, by the way, the Democratic president, Barack Obama, didn't do a damn thing about. So we have a ticking time bomb that is the eviction moratorium. Rent should have been canceled. Mortgages should have been canceled. And or or the government should have just covered the payrolls for the landlords, for the small businesses like they're doing in Europe. But no, we can't do things like Europe because Europe's a, Europe is a series of countries and we are one big multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerate known as the United Corporations of America. I'm not going to get into it, but I spoke with somebody today that I know. Uh, it's a source. Um, I'm not going to get into, let's just say it's somebody in Bernie's world who's been with him for a while. And I said to that person, is Bernie like, is Bernie, I love Bernie. I'm not, you know, I also love Jimmy, but I don't agree with Jimmy calling him a coward and a sellout and all these things. I think he's naive. I, I think he's really, really naive. And I said to this person in Bernie world, does, does Bernie really believe that this down, point, down payment business, does he really believe that, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not what I want, but let's just take, let's just take this, $300, the $900 billion, if you don't know, it's $300 a week, unemployment insurance, a $600 check, more money for the PPP program, even though the original PPP program, like tons of that money were, that was meant for small businesses, like my, mo- like my mom and dad who own a small business, an actual mom and pop store, but was instead given to donors and rich people who aren't small businesses. There's money for, you know, a little bit, there's a little bit money, a little bit of money for a little, a little bit of everything. No money for uh, states and states and uh, localities. Does he actually believe that we're going to get 900 billion now and let's just take it because when St. Biden comes in, he's going to propose a larger visionary bill for the, the, full amount of what we need and we'll get it through president obama had both houses senate house obviously the white house he didn't get one republican vote for obamacare which was another sandwich he barely got republican votes for his stimulus during the 2008 financial crash what in the world makes you think that mitch mcconnell and the republican party who just increased Shockingly, they weren't, they, nobody thought they would, just increased their seats in Congress. Democrats thought they were going to wipe the floor with them in the congressional races. Uh, Mitch McConnell and Republicans won more seats in the House of Representatives. Democrats thought they were going to win way more seats in the Senate. They didn't. You think Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party, looking at 2022, because all they care about is power, seeing that, wow, we just, during a presidential election, 
during a pandemic where the president's a Republican, the Senate is a Republican, we've presided over 317,000 deaths, but yet we still gained ground in the House, we gained ground in the Senate. You think they're going to give Joe Biden one vote? I'm being serious. One vote. Maybe. Maybe Mitt Romney. Maybe Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski or one of these moderate Republicans. They're not going to give you any more money. Why? Because they're going to say, we've already given you nearly $3 trillion. They're going to cite the April CARES Act, 2.2. Excuse, yeah, $2.2 trillion. And they're going to cite this $900 billion. And they're going to say the vaccine is here, it's being widely distributed, and we need to, you know, we're not, America is not an uh, endless ATM, and all of a sudden they're going to care very, very much about the debt and deficit, because they don't care about the debt and deficit when they're in office, and suddenly when they're in in the minority, once again, they're debt warriors. That's how the Republican Party works. I don't give a shit about debt, period, because there is modern monetary theory. We have all the money in the world to pay for all these things, as I know, and Steve Grumbine, who I've had on many times, has told you. It's just ridiculous. Then you have the New York Times with this bullshit editorial. Oh, the deal is good enough, says all the writers at the New York Times. This is from their editorial board. The deal is good enough. It should be larger. It should have happened months ago. But an agreement on coronavirus aid is still a welcome dose of good news. This coming from the beacon of the status quo. From This coming from the very people, the New York Times editorial board, who are not struggling economically right now, who have very, very good health care, let me tell you. It's good enough in their mind because they have nothing on the goddamn line. It's good enough. Well, I, I go with Congressman Rokana, who just tweeted out, uh, what's $600 going to buy you? Seriously. $600. When you, have, when you are, were already before the coronavirus, living paycheck to paycheck, when you've, been live, when you've been unemployed four months with no federal relief, remember, the $600 a week ended in July. We're... Almost in 2021. I mean, look, look at the responses. A cremation ceremony. One person, almost 90% of my health insurance premium for a whole month. Enough for a road trip to go to my senator's home and protest this BS. About 20 of these wood handle four line digging forks. <laughs> oh, God. Pitchforks. <laughs> Jack. I would say jack, but only but with six hundred dollars, I could really only afford the jack. Good one. We'll pay off a loan and be able to pay off some Christmas credit card debt. Not even a little light in the black hole of credit card debt. Complacency. Nothing. Straight to the creditors. I mean, we could go on and on. And this is something that I think, honestly is part of the institutional gaslighting that is the American political system. And this is a bipartisan thing. It is a bipartisan sin thing in the American political system that essentially tells you nothing big is possible. We only have 
and a finite amount of resources and money. And, you know, the, the government is not an endless ATM unless it's for endless war, unless it's for tax cuts for our donors, corporations, real estate developers, people, business executives going to lunch for three martinis. Goldman Sachs gets subsidies from the government. Raytheon gets subsidies from the government. Pfizer gets subsidies from the government. Uh, Lockheed Martin, I could go on. They want you to believe, and the Democrats, too, want you to believe, this is the best we could do. This is the best we could get. When the reality is they could have gotten a lot more. Let me just explain, and again, I'm not saying I'm running for office, but this is what I would do. President Trump, obviously he says a different thing every day. He wanted more than $1,200. A story came out that he was demanding $2,000 a month. And his people, well, you know, they had to interject. Can't let something insane like that, giving struggling, desperate Americans $2,000 a month during a catastrophic, deadly pandemic. But Trump tweeted this out. If you were a politician with a brain, or more importantly, a will to actually help people, you would get in front of every camera you could, you, you would start the social media campaigns, and you would say, we agree with President Trump. We need $2,000 a month as part of this deal until this pa- pandemic is over. Why isn't the Republican Party listening to the president? He's, he lost. You could agree with him now. The American people are struggling. I, Nancy Pelosi, agree with Donald Trump. Get the MAGA people in on it. MAGA will support anything he wants. They could have cheerleaded based on what Trump said and pressured Mitch McConnell, who, oh, by the way, desperately wants to win those two Senate seats in Georgia that are up for real uh, Senate runoffs. Mitch McConnell don't want any bad press for the Republican Party. He doesn't want to make it look like he's the only one standing against actual stimulus checks, not $600 of crumbs and garbage. But the Democratic Party didn't do this. There are so many different ways you could have used Trump's own words to demand more for your constituents. But they didn't. And why is that? Their donors won't allow it. Their donors do not want to even open up that Pandora's box of giving struggling people anything per month, any significant amount per month, because then they might expect more. It's, 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 it's the, it's basically the, uh, you know, it's like social security or Medicare. Once you give some, an entitlement, even though it's not an entitlement and we pay for it, our whole lives to get Social Security and Medicare. Once you put that into society, that expectation of more of social benefits, very hard to unpeel. Very hard to pull that back. This is a disgrace. And frankly, you know, no, I'm not going to just completely blame it on Bernie Sanders like some others would. He's not a dictator. He himself does not have the power to stop anything. And frankly, even the $600, which is crap, 
is thanks to Bernie Sanders and Josh Hawley, uh, the Republican, who fought to get any direct check into this. So he deserves credit for that. By the way, where is progressive Elizabeth Warren? What is she doing? I didn't hear her on the Senate floor saying pip squeak about the need for stimulus checks. She's still upset over snake emojis. She's, she's progressive when she's running, when she lost and no longer uh, relevant. Can't be bothered to get on board with Bernie. You're a progressive in the Senate to get stimulus checks. So I'm all for. I, I credit Bernie for getting anything. But where I differ with him, and I think we could have an honest disagreement with people we love, like Bernie, without denigrating them as sellouts and cowards and this and that, to me, that's, that's stupid. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But Bernie, are you naive? You know as, as well as I do. These Republicans are, are not going to give anymore. You, you just gave them a reason to do nothing when Biden is president. They are going to say, we've already given $2.9 trillion. Count it. $2 trillion in April, $900 billion in December, the vaccines are coming. We're closed for business, and the Republicans will do what they did under Obama, watch the economy tank, and then blame it on the party in power and clean up in the midterms. Who, who made these people, I mean, I don't have anything against them, who made them the arbiter of, of like, what is good strategy and what is not? Who makes certain YouTube hosts or certain people in progressive politics the final judges and juries on what is good strategy and is not. I mean, you could say the same thing for me. You could say, well, why should we listen to you? You don't have to. But there's a certain elitism that I'm hearing in the argument because they don't like Jimmy personally in, oh, no, Jimmy's not, he's, he doesn't understand how movements work. He doesn't understand how movement politics works well let me explain to you my understanding based on someone who's traveled the country over the last six years i've been to 40 states i I don't know how many cities i've been to i've been lucky first at the young turks to be able to travel and cover stories no one else was covering and now i'm lucky enough through you the community hint hint sign up to support our in the field journalism I'm going to show you what I tweeted out because I, I, I just maybe I have a different perspective because I'm out there in the field and I've met so many people. But these people, you know, their snobbery. Shooting down Jimmy's idea that, it, oh, it can't work. What does Jimmy know? Uh, you know, I they speak like I've been doing movement building for years and how it works. It's not how Jimmy thinks it works. Well, I don't, you know, no, no disrespect to organizers and AOC who keeps tweeting about how movements work and how organizing works and movement building works. But nobody has a monopoly on how movements work. And there's no like, it's also my view on being a journalist. You don't have a special like credential to be a journalist, just like you don't get a... I mean, you do. They give you something to wear. But I think anybody could be a journalist if they want to work hard, if they actually care about truth, if they're 
not afraid to rock the boat, if they're not trying to climb the corporate ladder and gain Twitter followers, if they actually want to get in the trenches and do the dirty work like we do here at Status Quo, I don't think you only could be a journalist if you go to Northwestern and get a, a master's in it or if you go to Columbia Journalism School. I think that's bullshit. I'm very lucky and thankful I didn't because I think they teach you basically to be a corporate, corrupt, neutral dinosaur. And I don't think you necessarily have to be a YouTube host for 10 to 15 years and have hundreds of thousands of subscribers to be like official street cred progressive to, no, to determine what's the right strategy and what's the not. So to me, this is why Jimmy's strategy is right. And I'll just read you. You don't have to agree with me, but this is what I think. And I also think enough already with Jimmy. And I'm speaking about myself too. I brought up Jimmy. But to me, it ain't about Jimmy. Put aside whether you like Jimmy or not. It doesn't matter. Right now, Pelosi has a four-seat majority, which is what I explained. She has a four-seat majority. This is math. Okay? So, if you have a four-seat majority, progressives currently have seven pro Medicare for All House members and five more coming. Why not make a demand for your vote, i.e. politics? The whole strategic rationalization of it's a waste of time, it won't pass, is kind of counter to how actual movements work. Again, I've been around. This ain't my first rodeo. I've interviewed activists. I've met civil rights leaders. I've met leaders of the feminist movement. I've met leaders of the LGBT movement. I've met indigenous leaders. Like MLK, Martin Luther King, Gloria Steinem, Harvey Milk. They didn't say, like, let's not bother trying uh, or protesting or pushing because, like, we're not going to win on the first try or the second try or the fifth try. It's already understood you're not going to win on the first try, the second try, the fifth try, maybe the tenth try. But, will, you know, to be clear, will a Medicare for all floor vote pass if progressives force it now? No, it's not going to pass. I don't think Jimmy claimed it was going to pass. But the, the, the question of doing it isn't about whether it will pass right now or not. That shouldn't be the measurement of whether, whether it's about Medicare for all, any other progressive goal. The measurement shouldn't be, should we let, do we push or not push based on, is it going to work right now? Is it going to, pu- is it going to pass right now? I don't know why, with all due respect to Benjamin Dixon and Sam Cedar and Nomiki and these other people, why their measurement is, will it pass right this minute? Will it pass on the first try? That's not, they keep talking about movements in a condescending way, but of course, that's not how movements work. It's okay if it will not pass. I don't mean it's okay, we desperately need it, but it's not, you know, fatal to the goal to get it if it doesn't pass right now. This notion that, oh, that's what Mitch McConnell wants. He wants Medicare for all to fail on the floor to embarrass progressives. Who cares? That's a straw man argument. It doesn't matter if it fails on the floor. It ain't failing in the polls. It's only increasing in the polls. And frankly, it's going to be increasing in the polls even more as this deadly pandemic kills, unfortunately, more people leaves their families struggling with debt to pay for their care. People are being hit by massive bills for their hospital stays. 
So part of politics is, wait for it, performative. Get every House member on the record as voting yay or nay for universal health care during a catastrophic, deadly pandemic. That's step one. When the majority vote no, because they will. And then in 2022, which is the next election, progressives can then primary those specific Democrats who voted no and hammer them into oblivion in TV ads, in digital ads, on that vote, while the pop, while simultaneously the popularity and support for Medicare for All will be increasing. They could also add in not only that these people voted no, but in the 2020 election that brought Biden's politically dead carcass in, in the exit polls of all the Democratic primary states, including Mississippi, for God's sakes, majority of the voters were for Medicare for All. In a recent Fox News poll, yes, Fox News, 70% of Fox News viewers wanted, they called it government, medic, healthcare, whatever. Of course you don't win on the first try, but getting a yes or no vote helps crystallize the issue and which side each Democrat is on. More so, you probably will never have a better time or moment to force this issue than a deadly pandemic, this was tweeted two days ago, so it's more than that, where 316,000 people have died. Let that, let that sink in. I think we get the, we're getting numb to these numbers. 300, I think it's now 318,000 people have died. 318,000 people have died. Forcing this issue now also sets a di- up a dynamic of progressives going on offense against Joe Biden and, frankly, his likely successor, Kamala Harris, early and often in the lead-up to 2022 and 2024. I respect AOC. I do. I respect Ro Khanna. I'm not, you know, I love Jimmy, but I, I, I publicly say, if you don't like it, that's fine. I, I think in some, sometimes he goes a little far and could be pushing these people away. I agree with the idea, but I don't agree with, you know, a holy war against the closest politicians to what we believe because they don't agree with us on every single thing. Now, if they start pulling away where they don't even support Medicare for all or a Green New Deal and they start moonwalking away from the actual policies, then we have to discuss that. So I respect these people, but this rationalization that it won't pass right now so we shouldn't waste our time and political capital is wrong. It isn't how any historic change or progressive civil rights victories have happened. You don't win long term if you don't publicly fight years earlier. Progressives need to stop fighting on Twitter with each other and start fighting the corporate Democrats. Trump as the boogeyman is no longer a thing. He'll be gone soon. Take the fight to corporate Democrats. They just lost House seats during a deadly pandemic. They are vulnerable. Again, this isn't about Jimmy. And one more time, I will show you. We currently have the numbers right now to block Pelosi from winning the speakership. She ain't getting any Republican votes. She needs 218 votes. We only have, they only have a four-seat majority in the House. And by the way, there's two elections that have not been certified yet, one in Iowa and one in uh, upstate New York. So if all these people on the top and then these people on the bottom 
who are coming in in the new year say, we want a floor vote. What is she going to do? She's not going to have a choice. So, like, Jimmy's not always right. You shouldn't just blindly follow Jimmy. You shouldn't just blindly follow what I say. Evaluate what we're saying. Think for yourself if it's right. But I'm not one to say we're the true progressives. I don't believe in this purity bull. We could all be progressive and just disagree on certain things. I think this purity test, and if you don't agree with me 1,000%, you're a sellout or you're not a progressive, is highly toxic, to tell you the truth. I don't agree with Ben Dixon or Sam Cedar, definitely not the Young Turks anymore, and some other channels all the time. I don't agree with them on a lot of things. Frankly, I think they're blind to a lot of things. I think a lot of them had severe Trump derangement syndrome, and it was clouding their judgment on what was right in front of them, which was the Democratic Party moving further to the right after losing to an orange orangutan reality star. I, I, when I was at the Young Turks, I said that publicly, like, enough with Trump and Russia 24-7. That's not why people come to TYT, and it's only gotten worse. But, like, we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't need to be like, no, they're not progressives. No, they're just wrong. It doesn't make sense. There is nothing to lose by demanding something for your vote. And if it loses, and it will lose, the vote, the Medicare for All vote, you win something because you get it on the record. AOC, with all due respect, saying, oh, uh, we already know who's for it. Just look at the co-sponsors. Nobody's gonna, nobody looks at the co-sponsors. A floor vote with a debate on Medicare for All will get media attention. It will, there will be traction on social media. It might, be, it might uh, end up resulting in more polling about the issues. It, there would be social and digital media campaigns showing people's personal stories. You could get, if, if the organizers did it right, some cross-organizing with European progressives to show from the, NH, the NIH and other governments' systems that show how it's done in most of the world and you get a key, key issue to primary, to primary corporate Democrats with in 2022. 